I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm so excited today. Uh, I'm here with my friend Tama, and this is Hello. the podcast. You're, You're killing it because you are today. <laughs> We're not killing it today. Bloody daylight savings just absolutely missed. With Sorry, me. That was the worst <laughs> one we've ever done, Tam. That was like the worst. I, like- yeah. Nearly the end of season one, and we, uh, we, yeah. Anyway, this is um, it's hilarious. We are we, there's daylight saving in New Zealand today, which has really thrown us. So I apologise that there was a bit of uh, just me basically running around the background, getting my shit together, and um, so I need to apologise to our guests today. But thank you so much <laughs> for joining us today, Richie Hardcore, as I like to call yeah. you, Richie Rich. And uh, yeah. which is a Muay Thai uh, and boxing trainer, public speaker, educator, and MC. Uh, today's topic is uh, actually stolen from something that you posted the other day, Rich, and then I reshared it. It was a really cool, um, I think you saw it. I think you saw it somewhere. It was like painted somewhere and it said, kindness is gangster. And mm. I just thought that was a great topic for today. I feel like it's, yes. um, it's, <laughs> like it's one of the things that we've bonded over recently is um, having, I guess, humanizing people and having empathy for people online. So we're definitely going to talk about that today. Uh, it's one of the things we're going to talk about. But I want to give a bit of backstory. I met Richie a few years ago at Unify. Um, it was very fleeting. Our meet, our meeting, our meeting was fleeting. Uh, it was very fleeting. <laughs> but so what happened is I was shooting at Unify and I was standing side of stage, and I remember two things. I remember Rich was on stage giving this, he went on stage and he gave this really powerful speech and it was about, um, and Unify is a very male dominated festival. So just to put, it's probably like, I don't know, 95% men, this festival it is like, whoa, yeah, it's like a super, it's a heavy festival. So it's one of those super men, super man, super, super manly, super manly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I remember two things. I remember, um, the speech was really like it was talking about respect for women and um, being aware of the women around you and it was like I remember my jaw just dropped and I was like I first of all can't believe this is happening at a festival like this this person is really amazing and also the crowd's reaction was so positive that was one thing that really stood out that that they just received Rich's message and the way that he gave it so well and I was just so impressed and then I don't know how long it was after that, but Rich came and actually stood next to me while we standing on this pallet thing looking at who, whatever band was playing. And I was like, hey, 
you're awesome that was so sick like hi my name is Michelle and then that was it like it was literally like two minutes and then ended up tracking Rich down on um Twitter I think maybe through Joel from Amity or something like that anyway long story short that's how I know our guest today he's really amazing and I'm really glad that Tamara and I are getting to speak to him today so welcome Rich that was a very long introduction but I felt the backstory was like necessary (laughs) oh thank you that's very flattering (laughs) <laughs> i'm glad really i made awesome. such an impression yes oh did, yeah <laughs> yeah we've both been um, excited i'm like i can't wait to meet him i can't wait to have you on the pod so it's, awesome it's weird how it's here. it's weird how all our like first meetings are online these days right like it, it, so often yeah it's this sort of thing or someone that you know of through social media and you want to talk with them or you can only talk to your homies like via facetime it, it's a it's an odd one but mm. uh Yo, it's better than nothing, right? Mm, mm, yeah, better definitely else. better. Yes, I do miss. I do miss those those connections, though, and being able to like. Thankfully, Mish and I got to meet in person. Hey, Mish, but um, yeah, I really do miss those in person connections. And there's so many amazing people we've had on the pod that we are like, can't wait till the world opens <laughs> up and we can actually sit around and have some coffee or some beers together. Like, I'm just yeah, I'm yes. dying for that. It's gonna be so good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, before we get into the topic today, do you want to tell us a little bit of a summary about yourself and the work you do? Because um, it's quite, I mean, it, you've got, it's very multi-dimensional. So I'll get you to kind of describe describe it rather than me butchering it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Spill. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So my day-to-day is I teach Muay Thai and kickboxing. I started martial arts uh, 28 years ago started competing and fighting in uh, Taekwondo and I moved into Muay Thai and Thai boxing, uh, had a couple of boxing fights and one MMA fight over in Japan where I got absolutely smashed. But I fought fought for 20 years and then I moved into coaching and I work with, uh, you know, fighters and dudes who are interested in competing, but I also work with um, an increasing number of community groups now. So kids who have maybe been excluded through from mainstream education or women who are transitioning out of prison back into the community or groups who um, might be dealing with say addiction issues. And that's all really rewarding. And then I do a bunch of public speaking and I've been doing that for I think five years now as how I like pay the rent, which isn't why I do it. I do it because I really am passionate about the topics I talk about. When I talk about, domestic and sexual violence prevention, masculinity, mental health, uh, uh, alcohol and drug use, and um, like a harm reduction approach to alcohol and drug abuse. And all those things are often interconnected. So some presentations might be weaving those things together through a narrative and then sort of underpinning it all with, um, I guess, more academic and professional understandings. And other times it might be like a personal story because I grew up with like, you know, millions of people. I grew up with a dad who suffers from depression and alcoholism and had family violence and police visits as a child and all of that sort of shaped, shaped me, like it shapes all of us in in one way or another. And I went on to, yeah, I guess, turn all of those personal experiences into my professional work. And it's, it's, you know, it's been a journey that's mm. always evolving. Uh, but I'm really happy to be in this space now. 
it's because it, basically all my work is trying to understand myself more <laughs> I'm yeah. like yeah. yeah why am I like this why am I like this yeah. why do I think like this why do mm. I feel like this why are my friends like this why are my friends killing themselves why why are so many of my friends mm. like struggling yeah. why do yeah. I gravitate to these sorts of people and mm. then I've gone on to sort of you know work for different organizations before I worked for myself and you know I put myself to the university to understand things and here mm. I am yeah that's amazing and uh do you with the fighting um because that's such an interesting point that it's about you know people are trying to just find out who they are and where they're heading in their lives and trying to understand themselves so when you first got into fighting was the the whole idea in order to be able to find some sort of relief or what was the attraction to to Muay Thai and to fighting I started fighting competitively when I was 13 I did like a kind of like a freestyle taekwondo taekwondo is like a Korean martial arts and Olympic sport but we did sort of like this hybrid mixture of it um, at the local community hall. And I think my best friend at the time had started doing like some sort of martial art. And I noticed he was like getting stronger and I thought it was cool. And I'd always enjoyed, uh, I, you know, like stupid kung fu films, you know, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I was a pretty, I wasn't like a really sporty kid or anything. I, you know, I did a little bit of soccer, football, but I didn't like mm. love it or anything. And I didn't like the sort of sports culture at the all boys high school that I was going to, but my dad was in a period of recovery from his alcoholism and he was sober for a while. And he took me up to a, the, the school and said, Hey, my son's not, I'm not doing a good job as a dad. Do you reckon you could help out my son? You know, and wow. the, instructor, the instructor was real cool. And I did that for like five years and it was the first thing I really remember feeling passionate about and falling in love with. And I was pretty good at it. Like I had a natural uh, affinity for martial arts and I liked the discipline Mm. and the structure of it. Like uh, it gave me a really healthy space to put all of the feelings that I had in a way that I think subconsciously kept me pretty we would call it a protective factor <laughs> if we were talking about youth development work now, but it was yeah. a, it was like an organic protective factor. So when my friends started getting into drugs and stuff, when we were like 14 and 15, uh, I had the self-esteem from a two or three years of training to mm. say, to say no to drugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not because I, I necessarily had strong views on alcohol and drugs at the time, but I haven't seen how my father was. I kind of had this um, link between intoxication and bad shit happening. So I kind of had a knee jerk. Nah, that's not for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like a trigger. Yeah. 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 yeah, It was. And while I'd go on to experiment with alcohol and drugs a little bit uh, in my late teens and early twenties, it never was my thing, you know? So, Mm -hmm. no. And did you see the like kind of destruction of, other people around you that were kind of getting into those same patterns as well? Like, was that another reason that you were kind of like, "Mm, maybe not for me? Yeah, totally. When I was a teenager, a lot of my friends, yo, we're drinking like 40 ounces of spirits Mm. and like smoking, smoking weed and, you know, binge drinking is a real big thing here in New Zealand. And where I grew up in West Auckland, which is kind of like a bogan working class Mm. neighborhood, um it was huge you know like so westies <laughs> yeah we're westies yeah so our, our teenage parties were like going to someone's house even got real hammered 
and then in some kids from a different school or whatever would come and there'd be a fist fight, right? Yeah. That's kind yeah. of what we grew up doing. And yeah. increasingly, as we got older, like those fights got more serious and people got hit with, you know, bats and bars or whatever. And mm. then I saw friends like starting to drop out of school because they were just smoking weed all the time and mm. their drinking got heavier. And that really continued as I moved into my 20s you know yeah I moved yep. into the city and I uh I fell in love with a woman whose social circle did a lot of like a class and mm -hmm. I was like oh yo this is like different again you know yeah and, and um I don't know it just it really I just saw people kind of fucking out more and more you yeah know? like oh, and, and that's continued right up to now you know like yeah I think in your 20s, that's a normal exploratory phase and that's all good. But mm -hmm. looking back from this viewpoint, a lot of that is just people coping with their childhood issues, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it's kind of a fun and even and in a normal way to deal with your issues. But when you're mm -hmm. still doing that in your 30s and your 40s, yeah. then it's kind of manifesting in a lot of the stuff we see around us, you know, suicides or mm -hmm. terrible mental health breakdowns and we're just not yeah, living life to your fullest, learned, you know? They haven't learned a better way of coping or escaping mm -hmm. or whatever that, whatever yeah. they're trying, masking, whatever that is. So it just continues. Yeah. I, it's totally my experience as well. It's like anyone yeah. that's continued it to th into their 30s and 40s, it's got really problematic at that point. Yeah, I'm not saying don't party. I'm not, but yeah. it's not a party if you do it every night, you know, or yeah. every day, you know, like when everyone wanna... else has stopped partying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. still out there, like, okay, should be looking mm. around going, hmm, okay. <laughs> this is well, when all your friends start getting younger, you know, and you're the, mm. you're the, you're the old dog at the bar or your old dog at the club, or whatever. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it, I feel that could be a wake up call for people. Yeah. You know, like how do we transition into different roles in our communities, whether mm. that's community of music or sport or whatever? Mm. I think that's important. Yeah. I think it's I think it's important that, yeah, I think everything is in moderation and in balance. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, if you want to go to the pub and you're in your 40s and you're like partying till five in the morning, like, you know, there's that thing of not judging that person for being out and doing that. Uh, but also I I feel like you're naturally not going to be that stoked with yourself if you are constantly doing that. And that there needs to be a balance and an evolution of, you know, kind of going, Oh, this is not, this is not serving me well. This is not healthy. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think it's an age thing, but I just think that wisdom comes and maturity and learning and experiences come and you know, that it's not good for your soul, you know, and progressing into your, you know, new phases of your life that you're like, this is not good for my internal being to continue to, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. It's bad for your white you know? Yeah. But, and and um, I think interrogating the intention behind why you're doing anything is a good thing. Yes. So yes. if you develop the self-awareness mm. to notice your moods and your emotional fluctuations, then you can figure out is this a decision or am I just acting based on like shitty programming you know so I've yeah. got certain programming I've got certain like I don't know when I'm tired or when I'm in a, a low mood or my mental health's a bit wavy I can feel that now because I've 
done heaps of therapy, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I yeah. can be self-aware enough to be like, ah, you want to like eat all the sugar and like take mm. some wild people because mm. you're in this mental space. So don't do yeah. that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I think um, not everyone has the mm, opportunity necessarily to be in that space yet to have that self-awareness. So you just act on what you've always done. Mm. And it's about how do you help people uh, develop insight so mm-hmm. it stops being like a subconscious coping mechanism. And it is like fun. If you want to go and get yeah. fucked up once in a while, it's like, yo, I'm just here to have a good time, shorty. You know, yeah. like, that's fine. <laughs> but, but if you're constantly r- running on auto, yeah, then you can run yourself into the ground, you know? Yes. Oh, what are some of those yeah. things that you um that you do do in order to because obviously having that insight and self-awareness does come from doing a lot of work on yourself. Like I've I've also done the same thing in my life. I understand the triggers that um or the behaviors that come with certain things that trigger me. And I'm very aware to be able to go, yeah, cool, this is what's going on here. Uh same as you, Richie. And um what how do people Uh, find how do people discover that how would you encourage someone to discover that there's no I don't think there's one right way but ways that I know to have worked and is obviously talk therapy with a good therapist or psychologist or even perhaps uh, um, uh, an alternative approach to healing like someone who's brilliant at breath work Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you follow my Mm -hmm. friend Lucas Mack but um he really I've showed me you that post, you post about um, your work with him. Yeah. I've done a couple of sessions with Lucas and they've been like these huge, cause I'm quite skeptical about those sorts of things, mm. but, the, but I can't deny the power of breath work yeah. and after doing like these profound sessions with mm. him and mm. feeling like all this pain and hurt and trauma that I've like held in my body release, like, so yeah Mm. a lot of the stuff that I've done has been through my head you know like psychology and therapy and those sorts of things have been really great to have self-understanding and awareness self-awareness and and then subsequently be able to make choices rather than just take actions but breathwork's been amazing I'm not a I'm, I'm not yet a big practitioner of meditation but um, my partner is a meditation teacher. So there's an irony in that. But uh, <laughs> so she meditates like twice a day. She's like, she, Richie, why don't you just listen I know, to this I know. and try it's it? A, it's a constant <laughs> source of difficulty for us. But um, she runs a meditation studio and, and you know, everything's, we're in COVID here and she's just taking it online. And like people just get such benefits from, mm. from sitting with, themselves in uh in 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 mind in 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 practice mindfulness and and Mm. and there's kind of like a dissolving of oneself in that process i think so you can get to some sort of Mm. i guess essence because it you know you're stripping back the layers right yeah like we all wear masks to some degree you know whether it's my tattoos or or you know the t-shirts i wear or Mm-hmm. we project sort of images of ourselves into the universe but what's behind all of that you know i think meditation yep. can be a good way of getting to the the true you 
I'll let you yep. know if I get into it. And tell you how that goes. Um, uh, we're fighting so be Yeah, I got I got Jarvis into meditation a few years ago because I thought it would be really beneficial for him, and it was. It really was. It's been quite transformative for him actually. But I've never been able to do it. I'm yeah. Really <laughs> when I have when I have done it, it's been great. So mm. this is my reminder to self to get into it. Um, other things that have worked are simple, man. Like. I keep meaning to write a blog about mental health in the music industry because a lot of my friends are in the music industry mm. and a lot of my friends are like have their troubles, you know. How do you normalize just real basic lifestyle things that mm. keep us well? And yeah. We don't talk about this. We're like, we need more government funding. We need more counseling. We need more access to like helplines. And that's true, but that's the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff when you're already like mentally yeah. mentally yeah. sick. We need to, as communities, normalize fucking going to bed on time and like yep. getting enough mm-hmm. sleep every night because it's yep. super detrimental to your well-being to be underslept and that gets progressively worse. You need yep. to eat yeah. good food, you eat, eat, eat natural food, you need enough um, sunshine. You need to be offline more, myself especially. Mm-hmm. That's like one of my big ones <laughs> is I overdo it on the, on the gram. And then yeah. obviously, what are we consuming if we are online? You know, there's mm-hmm. so much bad news. There's so much uh, politicized. Basically, everything is political now. And in mm-hmm. my 20s, I thought that was cool. But now I'm like, yo, that's terrible. <laughs> like, everything, yeah. everything is pick a side. Everything's pick a side. There's like mm-hmm. this. I was listening to a, a podcast yesterday and the guest on the podcast was talking about how we just see other human beings who have got like hearts and souls and families and these complex lived histories as just avatars, mm-hmm. you know, these, ex- these externals. And then we just throw whatever at that avatar, forgetting that actually yeah. we can really hurt someone, you know? Mm-hmm. And we, so we, that- we tend to be out, we'd like demonize someone for a one thing that they said once as well, which, I mean, this is a lot yeah. of what we've bonded over recently is like, <laughs> the the way that we've noticed that way ha- the people have kind of the mob mentality online there's you know the cancellation of people that um mostly don't deserve it and i guess um you know something that we've both noticed is there's such a lack of empathy mm. and just exactly what you said you know they're not seeing people as human and it's really tricky i mean what led you down I guess to start because I know exactly I read um uh what was the book uh so you've been publicly shamed um and it completely changed my perspective because I was involved in those mobs previously and I just it made me look at my behavior and step back because it actually humanizes people that have been cancelled and it tells the story of them and you get to you know it's just so heartbreaking that these people have made this one mistake and their lives are ruined. So um, did you have a similar experience, like an awakening or like how, how did yeah, you get yeah. to that path where you were able to empathize is my, is my long-winded question. <laughs> no, that's all right. I love a long-winded question. Um, I have been on a journey with all of that. So when I, you know, I grew up in like the hardcore scene and listened to super politicized music, went to do a, you know, a degree in, in, in politics and mm. was a really, really passionate about social change. 
yeah but that was kind of before the culture is what it is and the concepts that are now unfortunately normal which we would call critical social justice through a postmodernist philosophical lens <laughs> um weren't so mainstream right and mm. i would call out some sports star who'd done something wrong and on my facebook page and this was when the algorithm was nuts like mm. you could put something up and i i had i remember putting up a few posts a few years back literally like a million views on wow on, on, on stuff on facebook mm. you know like mm. the virality of things was really mm. different before they changed the algorithm mm. and so i guess on an emotional level that was fulfilling for me like it felt yeah. I didn't really recognize it at the time. I was just doing my work. My work was yep. around gender violence prevention. I felt really strongly about it. I felt really strongly about animal rights and voting for uh, social democratic parties, you know, like vote left or you're a bad person. Yeah. I would get involved in, you know, political, political activism, you know, like I'm friend. I used yep. to be friends with MPs here in New Zealand and, help them mm. campaign and turn up to their events and go on panels for them and you know all that hyper involved I suppose got asked to run for politics a few times yeah. um, um but then like it all kind of shifted for me in 2016 after I, I got sort of I got really mischaracterized by an emerging journalist who put me in this shitty article in there um in an online publication and I, I was really like surprised and shaken and I didn't really even know what the fuck was going on I was like what is going on why are all these people saying like I'm a terrible person I'm like what I never met you wait what I know you yeah. like you know me yeah. it was yeah. really confusing and it really yeah. shook, wow. shook me up and that was five years ago and it became like a thing in New Zealand I was like one of the first sort of publicly embroiled in a, in a Twitter thing, people, I think. And wow. it became like a two-page article in the national newspaper. And um, wow. yeah, this old school journalist got in touch and he rang me and I was real, like, you know, really anxious. Like I don't have yeah. impenetrable defenses when it comes to my mental health. And I was like, well, how long have you been a journalist, man? And he was like, I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll talk to you. And if, mm. and he did me a solid in a way. He just took me as he found me. And 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 it's like, hey, you don't have to like me. But, you know, I'm a really fucking earnest, oversharing, emotional dude who cries when I'm stressed out. And that's what he wrote. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he shared my insights and what I believe. And it was a fair representation of who I am, mm. which is different from social media, mm. which would deliberately misrepresent you by cutting out one sentence of a paragraph or yeah or a whole one conversation or a whole conversation conversa yeah exactly you know or you know mm. one meme taken out of context or divorced from the broader work that you do yeah. Yeah. yeah and so it kind of was like the beginning of my public excommunication from I guess far leftist circles online in New Zealand and mm -hmm that was a constant uh, eye-opening thing for me. You know, I guess I grew up with working class people in a working class neighborhood and put myself through university and gained a new perspective and could linguistically shift between 
uh, demographics of people, right? Yeah. But you're getting my like inside voice right now, you know, yep. like when I'm with the homies, I swear a lot and I talk a lot of, you know, <laughs> I see, I'm just, you know I'm, how much I swear, Rich, every time I yeah. voice me- memo you, I'm like, oh my God, I swear so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like, I like, as much as I like talking academically about things mm-hmm. and I've got, you know, I'm surrounded by books and all this sort of yeah. stuff that's not just all I am, you know, I don't, yeah. I'm not just all these highbrow high ideas that I talk about on the internet. I like mm. jokes and I like Dave Chappelle yeah. and I like fucking talking shit with my mates. And sometimes I'll use words that some people don't think are good. And yeah. it just was this kind of downward spiral till I just was like, this is stupid. Like this is what is behind this. And I've just spent the last four or five years reading about cancel culture and the postmodernist concepts about that I kind of have infused all our sort of public discourse these days around social justice things to kind of make sense of it you know Mm. and understand what's behind it and where it comes from and why people think the things that they do or indeed just profess to think the things that they do publicly and probably don't act on them you know what I mean and it's been interesting to observe the generational shifts um and how how younger activists uh act and I used to say stuff like I work with damaged people offline all the time Mm -hmm. like you're just an internet activist like what the fuck are you doing but actually internet activism has worked and it's disgusting Mm -hmm. you know like if you can cultivate a mob of people to say all the right things and companies will change their policies. Yeah. Governments will lose will their listen jobs. To, people yeah. will lose their jobs. People will lose their jobs, but universities and governments yeah. will will change, shift yeah. their will shift yeah. their legislative approaches to things. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, all companies now are infused, not all companies, but most companies are infused with social justice extremist talking points. Yeah, It's not to say that the goals of social justice are bad goals. We should live in a world which is not racist and not sexist and doesn't discriminate against people and um, is embracing all forms of diversity. But a lot of this stuff is just lip service now. Yeah, because because every brand, every company is like putting their companies through all sorts of sensitivity training, while at the same time doing nothing for the wages of the people who make their shoes or make their iPhones, you know, or still expecting their employees to put in like 60 hour weeks in this stressed out and miserable, you know, like we don't talk about social class anymore. And, and, and there's far more between us as human beings than these kind of socially constructed markers of identity that we should come together on. And, 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 and increasingly, I get frustrated that the conversation's myopic and it talks about increasingly mm, microcosmic differences between us. And you see that in everyone's Instagram bio now, right? Like, what are all your identity markers? And that's not to say that our identities don't matter and they're not important. They don't shape our lens. And my identity as like, you know, a white passing mixed race 
heterosexual dude hasn't given me advantages I'm not saying that but that's not all I am just as Mm. other people aren't the sum of their identities right and I'm grateful to have found a whole range of emerging voices uh, from minority identities that articulate this far better than I do so you know Mm. people like Aisha Dakambi and stuff Coleman Hughes that they're really like leading the way in this heterodox way of thinking which is I guess more human than Mm. than than ideological and it gives me some hope that we're going to get a a shift uh, away from this continual othering of one another based on ideal ideology because basically all humans want to need the same things irrespective of who they want to fuck and what their skin color is <laughs> and totally. do you know what I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. Totally. um what so I, I, I want to talk uh talk a little bit more about the the work that you've done around the toxic masculine masculinity um and and the work that you've been doing in the men's space mm. um so because I'm I'm really interested to hear about the work that you've been doing with uh you know young men and um you know obviously with all of your experience in in politics you're, you're studying a master's you're you're clearly you clearly know your shit um so <laughs> I don't know about that but I'm, I'm trying to learn about it yeah so what's tell us some more about the work that you've been doing with younger younger men yeah word yeah so I started out just talking about domestic violence or like sexual violence and like what is consent and how do we learn about it and um that's evolved to looking at what we call constructs of masculinity right I don't toxic masculinity is, is a is a good academic term but it's not a term that I use anymore for public facing work because what mm-hmm. I've found is that when you say toxic masculinity most dudes here men are bad and, yep. and yes. most people most people don't have a good distinction between sex and gender and yep. so mas- masculinity is a gender role right like the social um expectations of of boys and men femininity obviously for women and girls whereas yep. our sex is male and yours is female and toxic masculinity, which I prefer to refer to as traditional masculinity or stereotypes or expectations of masculinity, yeah, a, 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 a box of behaviors that we kind of are expected to fit into, or else we're not a quote unquote real man. Mm. And, and, and what like a lot of academic work and research and and work in the field has found is that the more dudes try and fit into the socially expected box of behavior, yeah, the more the more mental distress that we experience, and um, the more harm we commit to ourselves. So if you think about suicide being a leading cause of death for young men, mm. um, or to others, if you think about domestic and sexual violence being a, a leading cause of early mortality or impacted mm, life choices for women who live in fear of not going to park so they don't end up like mm. Eurice Dixon, you know? Like, uh, is it Eurice Dixon? I don't know if I said uh, that right. Eurydice? Yeah. Eurydice, so? yeah. Anyway, yeah. recent in peace, sister. Um, mm. And, you know, so from day job, we kind of have these ideas, you know, boys have to be tough. We mm-hmm. don't cry. We have heaps of sex with heaps of different people. 
we earn heaps of money, we have a disdain for uh, homosexuality and things which are considered feminine. Um, you know, you can think of the stereotypes, right? We use violence as a problem-solving tool, you know, bros before hoes, snitches get stitches. Like all, all this sort of shit is taught to us from culture, from the shit our dads say, our uncles say, the jokes our big brothers say, to porno and the the narratives that are within mainstream pornography, which is how most young people get a sex education these days, and to music, to movies. And it's not to say that there aren't differences between most males and most females that have some base in biology, but there are also cultural things that double that can either double down on some of those things or that can actually uh, move us away from our inclinations. Boys, you know, I'm reading a book on testosterone by Carol Hooven, who's a professor at Harvard. Mm. Um, boys are a bit more aggressive. We do like fighting to, to some degree, according to this highly qualified scientist, right? Mm. Yeah, she talks uh, about the, um, like the rough and tumble play that comes. Rough like and tumble play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm. but like, I love like a, rough it's and tumble an play with theme. my. Yeah, I love rough and yeah. tumble play with my dad. That was one of the good things he did. So did I. <laughs> yeah. See, and, I, hate, I actually hated it. This is it's so interesting because I was listening to another podcast that were talking about that book, and it was a woman who had always thought she probably had higher testosterone. And I kind of always assumed that too because I'm a super tomboy and always love playing sport. I hate rough and tumble. I hate being beat up. I hate like I just don't like. I don't like anything overly aggressive like so it's like it's so funny how that works it's like nope yeah well it's interesting i would like it but i don't (laughs) yeah that's which is you know and maybe some of that's social maybe some of that's biological right yeah uh and i think that's the thing is when we're talking about the the social side of these things boys get encouraged to do that stuff and girls don't like mm. Tammy, you might have got called a tomboy, or mm. you, yeah, when you when you were growing up. I don't know. I don't. I just met you, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, a, I did hundred percent. And that's not a bad thing, though. You know, like yeah. when we're talking about healthy masculinity, we're saying, "Yo, you like sports, but you also like poetry." Fucking mm. sick, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? Like you, you, yeah. you, you, um. You want to have a few beers with the bros and talk some shit on the weekend. That's all good. But you mm. also want to raise your child and love him and don't just think that mm. doing the dishes is woman's work. Healthy yeah. masculinity, right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas that stuff where we're like, where's the woman's place in the kitchen? Mm. You yeah. know, like that, oh. that, 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 that's what we're trying to get rid of. We're trying to break yes. down those social stereotypes and those social expectations mm. uh, of of people to create a more, mm, well, it's twofold, a healthier masculinity, but also like a more gender equitable world, right? Because women and girls still do do the bulk of housework and nurturing and um, live in fear of violence and a whole range of things that impacted due to, I would argue, sexist uh, indoctrination of boys and men, right? And also women and girls, because women, yeah. Yeah. You, you hear heaps of women like repeat the same tropes 
you know, I, I spoke to uh, a room full of like judges and lawyers and legal professionals once about this sort of stuff. And an older woman stood up and said, well, these girls do give out the wrong idea when they go out with their tits out and in short skirts and they have a few drinks. Like, what do they expect? And I'm like, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. maybe they have, <laughs> have fun and not get raped. Maybe look you know? cute. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe look cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Feeling, I mean? feeling cute, looking cute. Yeah, yeah. Like, Yeah, and so, you know, when we talk about healthy masculinity, it's giving boys the social permission to maybe not be interested in sports maybe they want to play the clarinet or do poetry or be emotionally vulnerable and not get teased for it do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean like if boys can take the mask off that they put on every day to go out into the world once in a while when it's safe yo that's good for them and it's good for for all people it's interesting yeah oh sorry you go you go Tim oh I was just gonna say it's interesting I um recently put up a post on LinkedIn that um, just got so many views on it because I just said that I had um, uh, gone to an open home and I took a a friend with me who is Guy and the young real estate agent uh, immediately directed all of like the answers to my questions to my Guy friend rather than me as though you must be either in a couple or it's him buying the place Mm. and when he actually was just coming along for the ride, like, and I, so I, I mentioned, <laughs> and I mentioned something on, on LinkedIn about it. And this, and I had screeds and screeds of people commenting and posting underneath about, oh, so, you know, this happens to my wife all the time when we go mm. into shop for a car or yeah. this, ha- you know, and every, there was so many different examples about uh, that kind of that role uh, and that expectation there that uh is still it's still happening and it still does Mm. happen like you know this real estate agent was just young and you're still like oh really you you wouldn't expect that I'm a single female coming to buy a house on my own like okay cool next time I'll you know so it's um but I also as Richie and I were saying earlier on I I do really notice that my younger male friends are definitely way more aware of those sorts of things and trying to to change the way that uh those sorts of that social conditioning is happening so that's quite interesting to see what do you think yeah yeah I've I've really noticed the change in um my younger friends as well just even to um explore everything and explore just the way that they want to dress or um everybody seems to be bisexual now and that's totally fine and that's just like that would not have happened when I was younger like that was just not a thing that was common at all so we obviously are progressing in so many different ways which I think is wonderful and but there's still those I like you said that one where you're buying a house that that seems to be a really that's something you can't really shake there's this mentality that you know, the men operate, they have the money and they're going to be the ones, the house is going to be in their name. And like, that's, yeah. that's one of those things that I think will take a bit longer to shake maybe, which is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even, you know, even just, um, you know, ha- having a classic car and, you know, my dad taught me how to rebuild a Chevy engine, but walking oh, in. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no <laughs> ideas about cars. <laughs> But, you know, walking into uh, a Ripco or whatever to buy car parts, like, forget about it. I would just li- literally get people laughing. And then they would try and ask you, 
really different, like difficult questions, like, oh, you know, what's the valve clearance between the blah blah blah? Uh, and, the yeah, cover? Yeah, yeah. and you're like, well, I haven't measured that, or you know, what's your, your torque settings? Like, and just they trying try to catch and trick you, off. you. Yeah, I get that with photography. Yeah. I get that with the older dudes in photography all the time. They always try and test how much you know. Yeah, it's so well. yeah, it's so well. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I do think that. Um, that there, you know, obviously the work that you're doing, Richie, and um, the just being able to open up the floor for people to, to have a safe place to talk and to be able to lean into these things and going, well, let's stop this social conditioning. Uh, how, you know, how have you, how are you, are you doing this, uh, this sort of advocacy and this, this stuff through your your fight training like are you holding classes and, and stuff like that and then holding support group like how do you how are you doing this I do work? it oh yeah so pr- primarily it's speaking in schools so I've spoken yeah, cool. to like tens of thousands of youth now in schools across New Zealand and Australia actually mm. a little bit been to Melbourne and I spoke at a medical school in Adelaide one time and cool. um to yeah to, to have these conversations and the interesting thing, I suppose, or the irony of it all is that I get buy-in from dudes because I used to be a fighter. <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, I've got tattoos and stuff. And, you know, like yeah. I kind of, I look stereotypically like kind of, mat, I guess, stereotypically masculine, right? Yeah. And and then I hit them with, oh, yo, what's up? Like, here are some different ideas about manhood that you might not have thought about. Mm. And, don't you think that's uh, an advantage though rich like the fact that you look oh. the way you do and that you're a fighter and it's all of those things that would tick the box of I guess or even some of the things that people yeah or even like some of the negative connotations if you're thinking from it like a feminist perspective that they would label as toxic but then people you can use that so that these boys or young men are looking at you and going wow like that it is possible to yeah, totally. It is. It is. It yeah. is. I, 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 that's right. Like, you know, I've been, you know, criticizing the social justice extremism, I suppose, in this conversation, but there is lots of good from that. You know, you mentioned, mm-hmm. Tammy, your younger friends are more uh, comfortable having these sorts of conversations or they're questioning mm-hmm. gender roles within, within the home or within a relationship. Like, that's really good. Um, but we also have to understand that that's still kind of like a limited bubble of people right so Mm. I think Mm. having some stereotypical external traits is helpful for me and for other men in the space to reach uh the mainstream Mm. when it comes to having these sorts of chats so yeah Mm. I do I do speak in schools I speak in businesses and workplaces I speak sometimes I talk to students in the day and then parents in the evening because it's Mm. it's kind of like no good talking to boys about being respectful women and dad's like yeah check out the tits on that one you know like mm, it's mm. not particularly helpful it's kind of and no. I, I, I run I a laugh small... but it's like obviously it would just be so common as well <laughs> like oh, there dude, would be people totally. that just literally still talk like that that's there 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 yeah. are and, yeah yeah um yeah. you know I, i've i had a workshop series uh looking to engage the fight community so we've done three of them and I have support from the government to deliver them and they're called Level Up and we get like elite UFC fighters. So we've had like Dan Hooker or Brad Riddell or Kai France and 
to teach MMA and I'll talk about masculinity. My friend Peter Thorburn talks about like mental health and drugs. My bro, um, Matteo, he talks about domestic violence. He's got an organization called She Is Not Your Rehab. And so we have three speakers and three coaches Mm -hmm. and it just gets like 50 people in the room to have these conversations that they might not otherwise have. Mm. So I use a... That's really yeah. Awesome. yeah 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 well how, i think that's again my frustration with a lot of online activism at least is it's like it's just like a hierarchy of who's the most woke you know like it doesn't really reach yeah, yeah. people yeah. Who, who might it's actually also, need to change it's also a lot of calling out rather than calling in which i'm a big fan of like i'm a big fan of you see something that you like, and I've, you know, I, I try to do that as much as possible. If there's something like, oh, it doesn't sit right with me, I'm going to have a conversation with that person off to the side, if I, especially if I know them, rather than this big public tearing down of somebody or an organization or whatever it is. I just, I don't think it's productive. I really don't. I feel, and I feel like we've reached the peak of, um, people are getting really sick of seeing it as well so it's like it's now yeah oh another you know, cancel another one you know, rather yeah, than yeah. so your what the work that you're doing is real life like you're actually walking the talk it's not just like you know shouting and posting and and then that's it you know you're done for the day well, it's like literally doing yeah well i don't know like uh, i've told this story before but you know i've i've spoken in prisons a couple of times and i'm not going to walk into a room full of men who have had the worst lives from the outset, predominantly, if we know that 80 90% of people in prison were uh, under, under, have mental, undiagnosed mental health issues and they've used alcohol and drugs to deal with those mental health issues. They've been acculturated to violence and other antisocial behaviors. I'm not going to walk in there and be like, you're a fucking toxic um, mm. piece of trash, all men are trash, like yeah, cancelled. Yeah, yeah um drugs are for losers you know like and i have spoken about that particular like that all men are trash like that's something that we're both really fundamentally against that Uh, i know know where it comes from but i just don't think it's helpful at all and it's not our experience either (laughs) yeah that's the thing my my partner she's like i've never had a horrible boyfriend really Mm. you know like i've had one so it doesn't count (laughs) (laughs) oh i've had horrible boyfriends (laughs) and and we have to remember that yep we have horrific endemic rates of gendered violence right Absolutely. Uh, one, one in three women are a victim of some form of violence within their lifetime, and that's outrageous. But most men aren't violent, it, you know, if we look at it mathematically. Most men are good, but all, all men actually do have a role in dismantling sort of the culture that violence comes from. And by making dudes who might be violent or have been violent feel like shit and shame them it's not actually bringing them into a process of healing and yeah and and change we understand that like actions come from beliefs right behaviors come from beliefs so when your mate makes a shitty joke or post some pretty fucked up sexist stuff or whatever like screenshotting it and putting it on twitter to like make an example out of them isn't really doing the work it no is, it's not forming trust and for the change to happen no it's just hot it's just continuing to highlight the problem 
yeah. which well, is great. The, but the defensiveness will probably happen. They'll most likely double down. Like it's very that's rare the, that that happens. That it, the I guess self reflection happens and they go away no. and change. It's quite the opposite. Yeah, well, that, mm. that's exactly it. You sort of double down or mm. you divorce yourself from whoever you used to hang out with online at least and then you mm. go hang out on like 8chan or 4chan yeah and mm. hang out exactly. with like actual misogynists and actual yeah. dudes who like and hate that's women. how you start pushing people into the extremes because yeah and just, that's like, it. i think yeah yeah the more that's you tell exactly someone it. you can't do something it's like this is what i think i'm most frustrated with is it's like that policing of every type of behavior and language and stuff i think is just pushing people further and further apart which is not what we want you know it's just mm. it's really it's mm. really frustrating to watch when i feel like there's a middle ground but anytime you try and reason and i've tried to do this a number of occasions anytime i've tried to point out oh hey what about this or maybe uh like i remember with the protests recently i was like everyone was shaming the protesters and i was like oh you know let's have some empathy a lot of them have lost their jobs i just got fucking torched like there was no way you mm. could just have any like you just had to demonize any other opinion yeah and I'm just like come Mm. on like this is we're going through something that's really really rough and a lot of people like yes there's some dickheads there yes there's some goddamn Nazis there but there's some people that have lost their jobs lost their livelihoods that are confused that are scared that are you know in this group of people as well I don't know I just I just I'm trying to lead a lot more with love and empathy and it just every time I've tried it I try and do it in smaller groups now, like reaching out to people personally rather than posting anything because it doesn't work. People would get no, so no, defensive. No. They get really defensive. People get, defensive. Like- people get offensive. It's because it's like religious now, right? right? Like mm. there's this religious yeah. adherence to uh, thinking the right thing these days, mm. which is, I don't know if it's that healthy, man. It kind of worries me. Yeah, mm. well, yeah. Yeah, like I worry that there'll be more and more like actual violence happening in the street mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i know that i follow like hyper politicized voices mm-hmm. on the internet but you look at like portland where they have like yeah. these fucking ridiculous cosplay running battles between like alt-right dickheads and like super woke antifa dickheads mm-hmm. so like mm, i don't know if that's good because the minute you start mm-hmm. putting down your paintball guns and start picking up mm-hmm. real guns mm-hmm. people are gonna die you know it happened mm-hmm. during black lives matter protests you know that that mm. uh that, that kid who was opposed to the protest like i think shot dead two people yeah and then we all right. watched that like i yeah. I, I watched that kid blow off someone's fucking arm you know like oh that's God. not good you know but yeah. we all do like we all are yeah. watching like horrible mm. shit on the internet as our news mm. sources these days it's mm. wild that's not that good shit. yeah that's not good yeah i remember seeing the um the the Christchurch was it Christchurch? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember it was yeah. on Twitter and it came up in my mm. feed. I'm literally watching yeah. this dude gun people down. I'm like, how is yeah. how am I watching this? Why is this? Yeah, why is exactly. the video just playing? Yeah. It was horrific. Yeah. Was and like twofold, horrific. twofold that is bad because it's bad for us to vicariously to absorb consume. that much violence yeah. and consume that much trauma. And yeah, and and the other thing is is that. The world's not as horrible as the internet would make you believe, right? Or the mm. media would make you believe. Like, yeah, it's a difficult time. COVID sucks. I'm a bit down. I haven't worked in six weeks. Some people haven't worked in six months. 
um but you know what like millions of people like falling in love like having babies getting married um holding hands for the first time with the person they got a crush on like there's a million (laughs) one good things happening but that doesn't like make a social media uh algorithm get excited right so um so i want to i want to hear a bit more um uh michelle was giving me a little bit of background that you you know you're talking you've been talking to um people in terms of like the porn industry and your concerns around that and um can you can you dive into a bit more of that and and where you're placed uh and what your approach is around your you know i guess um your your thoughts and advocacy for um you know well you know it's it's not i don't know what you tell us first of all tell us what your opinions are around the porn industry and how people are consuming it at the moment. Yeah, sure. So I try not to just have opinions. Like, yeah, <laughs> all, all of my, just the point I'm making is all my opinions are underpinned by research. Yes. Uh, so I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, otherwise, there's a heap of fucking. I, I don't want to just be another dude on the internet with some opinions. I would yeah. like to be able to point you towards like lots of qualitative and quantitative study that supports. Yeah said viewpoint yes yes so, so, so tell us all about that but yeah well you know if we are talking about stopping gendered violence right M- men's violence towards women and girls mm-hmm. male violence towards women and girls then we need to look at like what are the drivers behind that and over the last nearly 20 years i've read about um pornography and 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 the production and consumption of porn and how that shapes our our normative ideas about sex and relationships and also about our roles as men and women within sexual relationships. And um, let me preface this with like, I've looked at stupid amounts of porn. <laughs> like I grew up looking <laughs> at stupid amounts of porn. <laughs> like I taught, I learned about sex through porn for many years. I said mm. sex thinking like I had to have sex like a porn star and it was uh, quite divorced <laughs> from what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of lots of people do. Lots of people do. And um, it's you know, I was talking about this the other day with someone interviewing me. It was divorced from like my heart, you know, like Mm. all my sex was like waist down, sort of Christian Bale, like flexing in the mirror, sort of (laughs) sex. Do you know the you know know American Psycho? Yes, yes. (laughs) And um and I thought that's what sex was, do you know? Yeah, and I was like, yeah. did you, you know, like, was that, you know, and I've gone back and talked to like, this is probably atypical for most people, but I, you know, I've talked to girls I used to sleep with or girls I used to be in a relationship with and be like, hey, you know, like the way we used to have sex was followed the script and I've always appreciated the conversation. Like, oh, you know, like I never felt forced or pressured, but I always acted in the reciprocal way because I thought that would make my boyfriends love me more and that really Mm. got me when someone told me that once and that sort of underpinned the the work I do it comes from like a heart space now yeah because unfortunately our boys are consuming porn which is about choking and spitting on people and like rough anal and gagging and like tears streaming down people's faces as their mascara runs as they you know deep throat five dudes who call them sluts and whores because that's that's mainstream heterosexual porn 
Yeah. And cool. that's what people think is normal now. Now, mm. whenever you critique porn, people say that you're sex negative or you're not into sex or you're prudish or is it like just like mm. self-missionary? We're not saying that. We're saying do whatever you want, but do it in a way that's kind, consensual and caring and well-informed. And porn doesn't teach you that. Porn doesn't mm. have conversations around consent. There is mm. no does that feel good for you? Tell me to stop if you don't like it. Like, mm-hmm. are you having a nice time? Or any of these sorts of check-ins, mm-hmm. which we know make a sexual experience um, not just legal, but like mm-hmm. better, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, like when you have the permission to say, oh, that's a bit hard, or touch me here, or could you not do that so roughly? That makes mm-hmm. the sexual experience better. Yeah. yeah we don't have role modeling of contraception in porn mm. um oh that's such a good point that i haven't even yeah. really thought of that's so true yeah. well yeah. we don't there's, there's this is yeah. you can google this is you know in the states i'm not sure about australia entirely but you know parts of america still have abstinence only sex education in new mm-hmm. zealand um we have a mixed bag we have you know we've got a really good curriculum and the government's provided but not every school goes to the nth degree to enact uh what's possible when it comes to sex and sexuality education point being in america once a few years back there's a story of uh, uh two boys and two girls on a double date boy one has sex with his girlfriend then lends his used condom to his mate who then has sex with his girlfriend boy one gets girl two pregnant because they have such poor understandings about sex, right? Like, it's oh. a- <laughs> I know this is a podcast, but if you could see my face right now, listeners, oh my God, I can't even believe uh, that is a thing. I have spoken to 12-year-olds who have asked me, I've spoken to 12-year-olds who have asked me, oh, can men get pregnant? And I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> they oh can't. And that's because this was at a particularly religious school and they just didn't know. And so mm. when we'd have poor understandings around basic biology mm. and then we have terrible understandings about consent and pleasure mm. um, because no one's teaching us, porn sort of like fills that gap and continues to shape things badly, right? So I don't go out and say, don't look at porn, you're a bad person if you look at porn you're a fucking rapist or you're going to go to hell. That's not yeah. what we're saying. We're saying, yo, if you want to look at porn, you need to have some critical filters and understandings mm. and understand that what you're viewing is fake and that people yeah. are paid yeah. to do that shit, at least hopefully. Because mm. we mm. also know that what lots mm. of mainstream porn sites host are actual videos of people being raped and mm. people who have been trafficked into the sex industry had their passports taken off them oh, were forced to do like it's one of those uncomfortable truths that people won't admit that that's that is part yeah. of well, not always not it's always, not always obviously yeah yeah there's people and, on you know, only I follow, I follow are... um exactly i follow a lot of people that are on only fans i follow a lot of um sex workers and on twitter and they genuinely really love their jobs and and they're probably quite critical of some of the things that we're saying but i think what you're saying is like that's that is an aspect of it but then there's this other aspect that you can also talk about in the same conversation well, yeah, well two things can reality. be true at the same time right yes like yes like if you are a person who wants to monetize uh your 
sexuality through something like OnlyFans and that's your choice and your prerogative, then I'm not going to tell you not to do that. But I would also talk about the stuff I'm talking about now, which is that as someone who works tangibly physically with kids who have been kicked out of school or have had issues, trauma and abuse, I've talked to educators of 14-year-old girls who are selling nudes to Mm. of-age men because they think that's a cool thing to do. Mm. Because socially, we have now normalized that self-objectification. Again, if you're of age, fully informed, I'm not saying don't do that. But we also need to be mindful about what are we teaching other people and the people around us, given we're, you know, we're a society. And 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 the conversation being possible too, you know, just have the conversation. Just have the conversation, you know. So I, I argue that. You know, when I talk to boys, I'm like, yo, you need to be mindful of what you're consuming. When I talk to young people, because I don't just talk to boys, I talk to co-ed schools, I talk to mm. girls' schools, I talk to businesses, yeah. I talk to adults, I talk to cops. Yeah. That, that what you're looking at, all good. You know, you want to um, get some sexual gratification, all good. But wh- why does so, why is so much of our sexual gratification come from making hurting people sexy? Do, do you know mm. what I mean? Why have we made calling women sluts and bitches and whores and mm. sexy? Like, why is that like linked with arousal now? And mm. if you grow up masturbating to slapping people and choking people to the point that they might look like they're going to pass out and their face mm. is going red mm. and they're getting gangbang, then that actually hardwires your brain along those arousal mm. pathways. And, and that's a problem because mm. when you start having sex with real people not sexual gratification from a screen mm. you actually might have a problem getting a boner <laughs> you actually mm. might want to force your sexual partner to do the things that you've been yeah historically because of what you've to, because of what you've seen mm. and because of what you've wired yourself to yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. i've had those conversations with more people than i can remember now parents yeah. have told me that their 17 year old has erectile dysfunction woman who've messaged me from around the world telling me about oh my partner really pressured me to do this this and this and I fucking hated it but I did it anyway Mm. and also men who are like man I'm super hooked on porn and Mm. I don't really know what to do about it again like it's a nuanced conversation millions of people men and women boys and girls look at porn and they're fine and Mm. you know they jerk off and they're like go about their day and they don't become a terrible monster and and that's that's all good but we also need to be mindful that perhaps we should do something about restricting access to pornography for young people so Mm. you know the human brain doesn't finish developing until it's in its mid-20s yeah and it's getting shaped quite tangibly up until that point and you know the human the neuroplasticity in the brain can reshape itself Neural pathways can re- reshape themselves and be, you know, synapses can be rewired. But that yeah. takes time and effort. So how do we l- reduce the amount of porn that's consumed prior to that okay. point, right? Mm. How do we help, you know, why don't we get age verification at our, the biggest websites so that young mm. people don't check it out so easily? What If we can, yeah. if we can shut down the whole fucking world 
and no one can go to work and no one can go to sports <laughs> training. Yeah. I can't, and, and we're all getting yeah. vaccinations, which is fucking great. Like, that's sick. Let's deal with the pandemic. But it shows what's possible if the political will's there. Yeah. You know what's yeah. a fucking pandemic? Yeah. Men's violence against women. Rape is yeah. a fucking epidemic problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. Male homicide of female partners is an epidemic yeah. problem. Yeah. And when we sexualize hurting women, mm. it's a contributing factor to why that happens. Yeah. It's not the only factor. To why happens, it's one, but of, it's one part of the puzzle. Effect. There's a whole, there's a whole new emerging, like, legal conversation around the rough sex defense. Mm. You know, there are, there are academics who research the stuff and, and legal experts who work in that space, but rough sex gone wrong is now a defense that some yes. uh, defense lawyers use when uh, a woman is killed by a man, generally. Yeah. Oh, a he, friend of mine talked about this the other day, saying that manslaughter was becoming, you know, that there were there were these conversations now around um, around women, uh, you know, not surviving, you know, strangulation and, strangulation and stuff. Yeah, it, but we've made Ugh. you know suffocation and normal part of our life, and anyone who argues that will go look at how long um WAP was the number one song on Spotify now again I haven't got a problem with adults consuming WAP if you want to get deep throat and spit on yo get it girl <laughs> like, you know like yeah I was gonna say something mm. stupid but um, or more stupid but 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 when when little girls are doing that dance on TikTok and singing those lyrics on TikTok and boys are doing the same, mm. what is that teaching us? Mm. It's you know, mm. you know, the, I've read accounts of and and more importantly than read accounts, I've talked to kids like teenagers. Mm. You know, they've told me themselves to my face mm. that oh they had to do this and they had to do that and they didn't really want to mm. do it, but they wanted to be down with the cool guy at school. Mm. You know, and, and mm. boys continually pressure girls to go oh, send nudes, send nudes, or do this, do this. Mm. And, and you know, you listen to the lyrics of heaps of our songs, they're all about recording our sex acts, right? Mm. Like, this heaps of, he bought a phone, blah, 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 blah. Kids do that shit. And then they mm. send it yeah. to send it to one another with no realizing of the digital consent yeah. and not realizing yeah. the repercussions yeah and then i'm you're so like, glad oh god i'm so glad we didn't have that shit growing up because this my head is exploding it there's no oh, oh my god what, knowing what you like as a teenager and just that wanting approval and attention and shit like it's just it actually makes my heart hurt because it just I, you just know what you like as a young teenage girl you know like oh really it, mm. it hurts my heart really does yeah it's a a hard one and and it's difficult it's increasingly difficult as a male educator to to talk about this like most people are like they're down to have the conversation or appreciative of the work but it's a political conversation and not everyone agrees with what i'm saying you know some people would argue that all porn is in fact ethical and good for society you know i think the ethics center in australia recently wrote a published article about 
even violent pornography can be ethical. And there was a response to that by a, by a woman named Caitlin Roper, which you might like to check out, which argued against that. And it's credit to the ethics in it for giving a writer a reply. But when uh, I would argue, um, I don't know, far left or far progressive ideology starts taking it down that road, I'm like, is it though? Like, I don't know if it is good mm. for society that so many millions of people get their sex education and sexual pleasure from people mm. hurting other people yeah like yeah that it makes sounds like true sad. one of those conversations that when you're you know you're actually talking like either podcast or something like that it's far easier to communicate something like this versus yeah trying to Word talk up. about this on Twitter where it just would just get reduced. To, <laughs> oh, right. like game over on Twitter. This, yeah, you couldn't mm-hmm. have this conversation. It's, there's oh, my no, God, you couldn't. No you couldn't. nuance. It's, back and, forth, no, no nuance. it's yeah. back and forth and it's like trying to win points rather than there's a middle ground here. There's a middle ground. There, there is a middle ground. Yeah. yeah, we're talking mm-hmm. about, yes, there's some great aspects to porn and obviously some people can consume it and it's fine. And there's obviously some absolutely horrific um, aspects mm. to it and both of those things are true yes so why can't yes. we talk about that <laughs> that's yeah, what's exactly. frustrating me I guess I can't it's kind of bringing it back to the the original topic but it's it, it's what's frustrating me about a lot of the conversations is that there doesn't seem to be any middle ground and often there is always it's just not black and white there's always so much no, 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 so no. much but people yeah. hate moderate people hate moderates <laughs> mm. it's interesting we're outnumbered, it's, um... we're outnumbered. <laughs> I don't even know if it's, I'm moderate. Like I feel like I'm actually pro- progressive. I'm super in all my views. I feel like absolutely. Yeah. I feel very, yeah. very progressive. But I'm just seeing more and more of the conversation where I can see that the there is nuance to it, or there is uh, just a way more complex thing that it's being made out is just being reduced to these word slogans and just. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mantras, mantras, mantras. Mantras, yeah. Tell you this, and then you're fucking in, you're in the gang. gang. Yeah. It's it, for me. I think on the on an interesting point is someone that actively chooses not to just kind of like go out there and be like, hey, you know, I'm just gonna go and hook up with anyone who I want, or you know, what it's so interesting because I choose to and you know preserve that for you know you know my my own uh you know looking after my own heart and soul you know so I'm I understand there's this you know people will say to me oh you know just like why don't you just go and get a root like go get laid like um yeah well this is the thing like I've done that like yeah yeah I've had a lot of sexual partners and had lots Mm. of sorts of different sex with lots of different sorts of people Mm. and um you know it's been great (laughs) <laughs> like mm. but at the same time <laughs> at the same time um re- looking back from uh my ripe old age like a-, a lot of that was two people who actually were just like lonely or mm. empty or mm. uh looking to feel whole and seen and w- worth something and mm. w- oh all of and those our, words, yes and and our our it was like our, it was kind of like our spiritual wounding that 
brought us together mm. for a, a night or a few weekends yeah and then, and then oh I'm actually still dead on the inside yeah yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. well it's that validation yeah. through like sex or even just how you look like one of the biggest things that I'm trying to teach the young girls that I'm mentoring in the space is like it doesn't matter when you when it comes to your art and your photography it doesn't matter what you look like like it really doesn't yeah yeah it's not yeah. and it's it's so hard because everything all the validation that they get is through selfies and that's um, it trying like, that's to it. find something like an you know that you love and you something that you're producing like you know photography or your art to it doesn't it's so much bigger than just how pretty you are like well <laughs> i appreciate you, you saying know. that you know to go go back earlier in our conversation and I said, oh, 2016, this journalist wrote this thing about me. Mm. That was the whole basis of the article was when Kim Kardashian did that nude selfie, right? You know, mm. huge role model for tens of millions of girls, if not hundreds of millions. I don't know how many mm. followers Kim Kardashian got. Mm. Huge social signifier. Yeah. Probably hundreds mm. of millions. Yeah. And so um, this bro who's a radio host, he's not like a super political person, but he's a well-meaning dude. He's an actor and stuff now. He wrote this big post about it. And I literally wrote, this is the whole quote, Tautoko, which means I agree or I support you in Māori. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to teach healthier ways of validation, end quote. That was my whole thing. That's all I said. Mm-hmm. And then this woman went on to write that I was like policing sexual autonomy and slut shaming and telling women what they can and can't do with their, their bodies. But really and Tamara, all I was, Tamara and I have had this conversation so many all times. I was, all I was acknowledging is what you just said, Michelle, which mm-hmm. is that lots of young girls, but also young men too, mm-hmm. like with Instagram, yes. like, and other online platforms, so many young men are like getting body uh body image disorders the way that historically young women have you know Mm -hmm. body dysmorphia Mm. that's all i was saying i'm like yo you're you're you know Mm. you're all you're you know you're more than how you look and you're more than your you're more than your work on the sexual market it's not a Mm. judgment on people that do find that like do find power or um confidence or anything through their sexuality i think that's amazing it's just like but you're more than that is what i'm trying to say yeah or 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 you're that and all these other things and exactly exactly and i've said like uh you know i say these to these girls like and they get worried about aging and and losing their looks and all this stuff i'm like oh it's Mm. such it's such bullshit you get better you you feel more confident and more sexy like the older you get like that's such bullshit Okay, can yes. you, uh, since we're unpacking all of this, can I ask you guys something? What is your opinion on this? So another like social media outrage that I was at the bottom of was mm. a, a female artist did uh, like a cool picture of a woman licking a brain and it said mm. brain, brains are the new tits. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> I, and I, and I, and I, and I shared it. I shared the art and I had some, cause I just finished talking at a school and these young women were telling me, young woman, had invited mm. me to come be a speaker there. And they tell yeah. me how they're tired of being objectified by boys and they were tired of being asked for nude selfies and all this sort of mm. stuff. Mm. And I just wrote some post to that effect and I got mm. smashed by like hyper, by, you know, young feminist activists. What mm-hmm. do you think of that? 
Because uh, the argument is well, that I'm going to get Tamma to go first because I know the point yeah. was the point I was trying to make was that it would be sick if we were attracted to people's intellects. Yes, more I, than I, more than their bodies. That's but the then point they I was would have make. seen it as in you're still t- you're turning it into it's a still sexual slut shaming. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like oh, I love tits. So brains are the new ones of those. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I can see. I can see from both sides that it would be like misread. I, in talking to you and knowing where you come from, I can I can say yeah, hundred percent. Like, you know, a smart woman remove looks, remove all of that sort of uh, you know sexual side of things and and what people can see. And let's dig into the the intellect uh, and you know what a woman has to say and and really because that is attractive and that's something that's uh, attractive to to everybody, you know. And that's, I think, yeah, that's amazing. And then on the flip side, you know, it, the messaging in which uh, brains are the new tits, uh, potentially people would get pissed off to go, oh, so it's another piece of meat for you to like. <laughs> oh, no, no, uh, no. no, no. The, the thing was not about the tits. It was trying to say that why don't we, why aren't we attracted to people's personalities and intellects and education and thoughts and feelings instead of their bodies? Yeah, instead of yeah, their yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, that's basically that's it was like a it was like an anti-objectification thing. Yeah, but then also it's ref- like from what I can hear as well is that it's still talking about tits and still right, like right, refer- right. you know, they, but they weren't they weren't mad about the tits. They were mad uh, about they, they were <laughs> they were mad <laughs> about you shouldn't police what women do and if they want to self-objectify. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, should be entitled yeah. to. But I wasn't saying you can't. But I'm saying yeah. that we need to be mindful. Yeah. Yeah. When our adult celebrities self-objectify, our teenagers self-objectify. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an it's a I feel like it's a really difficult conflict between teaching young men not to objectify women and not turn them into just bodies mm. to be to mm, be yeah. used. And then yeah. also female empowerment around one's sexuality. It's a difficult yeah, one. The, I'm not the, quite sure how to navigate. I, yeah, exactly. And I, I feel exactly the same way. And I feel conflicted as well because I, I agree. That, again, there's so much nuance in this. Like women should be able to celebrate their bodies and feel sexy and all mm. of those things. It's very, but it is tricky to teach younger men then not to objectify them. That is just, it just is. It clearly is because you keep seeing these you know, I've got friends that are, you know, incredible models and like really, really famous and they'll post something and they just get the rankest comments. Like they're really, yeah. really gross. Yeah. And it makes, it, it, it's just, it makes me really sad that mm. I don't feel, mm. I don't think that should happen to them. I absolutely don't think that should happen to them. I think they should be able mm. to do whatever they want and, and post a bikini yeah. photo and stuff, but it's, I'm the, I'm it's the very same. tricky, very tricky. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm like, cool man like hey mm-hmm. i would be lying if i didn't say that i didn't i did, wasn't didn't find like attractive woman attractive right yeah uh, yeah like uh, but at the same time and and if you're a model or even if you're not a model if you just like yeah i feel hot today selfie yes like, yeah yeah that's fucking that's fucking great that is yeah awesome yeah you should be able to celebrate yourself yeah yeah but it's a really difficult one when you say young men will look at someone like that and say some gross, horrible shit yeah. because mm. they have internalized turning women just into bodies rather than people. Yeah, rather than people, you know? exactly. And especially online again, especially because you know, going online. back to 
it's a full circle to what we talked about at the start, but it was like humanizing people that are online. We're turning people into avatars to not really see that that's a person. Mm. When you say those yeah. things, that is a person mm. you are talking to, not just a yeah. photo of a hot chick with great tips mm. or whatever. That is actually <laughs> yeah. a human being yeah. with feelings. <laughs> with feelings yeah, you know? and a family. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And a family and, I think, and a, all of those things. Yeah. It's so complicated. It's so complicated. But I also yes. think the that that sort of putting yourself out there in that way and wanting that kind of attention it takes us back to the start of the conversation that we talked about uh around you know uh people trying to solve problems for themselves so is this kind of attention going to make resolve something for me internally is it going to make me uh feel better about myself if I put this out here Um, and yeah is this validation going to help me whereas say for me personally I I mean I could go and put ass and tit shots all over my Instagram if I wanted to do that because I can do it on the podcast (laughs) post do it on the podcast (laughs) let's just start doing that but you know I know I can do that (laughs) (laughs) but but that's the thing like I know that I can do that and that I could turn that tap on if I wanted same with you Mish but I also know that that doesn't serve me internally as an individual it makes me feel highly uncomfortable highly uncomfortable and yeah and it might serve someone and make them feel good about themselves and make them you know but for me personally I I don't need to do that kind of thing in in terms of actually very uncomfortable doing I've spoken about this with a lot of my male friends especially in the music industry is that I have always minimized all of that stuff or sexuality femininity all of it just uh in a I guess in a way to be seemed uh, deemed more professional and which is again there's this is a completely um a problematic conversation in even saying that I felt like I needed to do this but it's just it's a very conscious thing that I've just had to just shut it down and just be this is I'm just a chick with the camera it's rocking up in an oversized baggy black t-shirt and baggy pants <laughs> yeah that's an interesting that is an interesting that is interesting that you have to desexualize yourself to be taken seriously too huh yeah, that's mm, interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting nuance. Mm, mm, yeah, for sure. Um, I want to before we uh, wrap up because I'm really enjoying this conversation. It's um, yeah, and learning it's so, so much interesting. From you. I told you, Tam. I said it's so interesting. I could just talk to him for hours. Yeah, I know. We do need to, we do need to wrap it up. Though. It's been ages. Let's yes, go. yes. Um, uh, one more thing that I wanted to know was I just wanted to ask you about uh, performance mindset for people. So, um, you know, talking about teaching people in, in Muay Thai, but also, um, you know, just basically showing up and uh, putting putting your best foot forward. So if you're even performance mindset in, in the realm of if you're going to have a conversation with a whole lot of people around your views and around um your research and the things you know like how do you gear up for those sorts of things how do you how do you bring your you know your 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 a game into these sorts of things yeah that's been quite an evolution for me um Mm. well I'm a naturally really insecure person (laughs) like (laughs) I basically grew up hating myself thinking that I was ugly and wouldn't amount to anything and it's been quite a journey to unpack that but when I first did a public talk I think it was 2014 or something I was Mm. asked to give a talk on the concept of being a rebel and my friend Damien Alexander he sings for a a big metal band here called Blind Spot he just texts me out of the blue Mm. I love Blind Spot yeah he just um he just 
text me and say, hey, bro, just remember that they're there to see you, not a public speaker. Mm. And, and mm. it was probably the best piece of cool. advice I could ever mm. share mm. because that's what took me to, I guess, a career in public speaking. And it's also the same advice I kind of give my fighters now. And yeah. So two things that I think are important when it comes to a performance mindset is preparation. Yeah. So if you leave no stone unturned when it comes to training for a fight, if you turn up, you do the work that your coach tells you to do, if you sleep well, eat well, chances are you're going to have a great performance. Yeah. If you do all the reading you need to do, you prepare your slides, you get as um, educated as possible about the topic it is that you want to deliver when you're a speaker, chances yeah. are you're going to have a great performance. Yeah. I think it's important to not be um, outcomes focused, mm -hmm. uh, particularly with fighting. I'm like, yeah, winning is the best like winning rules <laughs> like it's the best feeling i ever still to this day have ever mm -hmm. experienced mm -hmm. but if you lose it's not a waste of time and you shouldn't quit because mm -hmm. the whole journey of preparing for anything is positively transformative if you look yeah. at it that way mm -hmm. yeah you know, the winning is yeah. just the icing on the cake but that's the same with a good presentation you know, I've yeah. talked about this a lot. Like I got asked to do a TEDx talk, right? Mm -hmm. And I've seen a couple of people do TEDx talks and then they get world famous. Yeah. Not me, not me, because I choked on my TEDx talk and it was fucking the worst talk I ever did. Oh, no. oh no. Literally, literally, literally the night before I'd given this oh. off the cuff talk on mental health to like a corporate dinner and I had yeah. people in tears like the, the, in the crowd, right? And I've yeah. talked to heaps of people. And yeah. I, don't think, I think I'm pretty good at what I do. I think I'm mm. really good. Yeah. But on my TEDx talk, I tried to be a public speaker and not myself. I forgot mm. Damien's golden rule. And, uh. I, and I was kind of stiff and nervous. And to explain it, I guess TED have like a limited time format and you're meant to sort of like follow that. And it just was a shit talk. And people, you know, mm. some people really like it and people message me like, mm. oh, so TEDx talk, but it's not what it could have been, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're aware of but, the potential, I guess. But, yeah, but, yeah. But, the, mm. but, the, the, but I guess like it all plays a part in my journey mm. in that, hey, you're lost, quote unquote, if I'm thinking about mm. turns, but it's not a waste of time because it reminded you that that's not how you talk. You talk yeah. to be you, not yeah. to fit into a format of what you think is expected, right? Yeah. You talk from your heart, not talking to talking points that you might have prepared, and you allow yourself tangents and space. Yeah. yeah. And it was that. a good it was a good lesson, you know. So I think I think those are That's my cool. main things. Preparation, cool. understanding the journey is as important as the outcome, if not more so, and being yourself and not yeah. uh, are all important when it comes to having a good performance mindset. I don't know if I've ever used mm, that phrase before. Yeah yeah i love that that's really cool i love that too that's yeah so well thank you so much for joining thank us you. and um just to to wrap up how do people find you oh yo yeah i got a website it's a little bit outdated but give it in fact it's a lot outdated but give it <laughs> a couple of weeks it's in the process of being developed so look me up in two weeks um it's richieharco.com I'm on Instagram at Richie Hardcore, Twitter at the same handle, but I don't use Twitter. Re I do use Twitter. I've sort of fallen back into the shape of it, but 
Mm. So my main platform, I have a public yeah. Facebook page under Richie Hardcore, LinkedIn, which again, I use intermittently. Instagram and email are the best ones. Yeah, check out cool. my website. Thanks awesome. for talking to me. I appreciate it. Thank you so oh, much. It that is was such a great so chat. awesome. Yeah, oh, my, thank my you. pleasure. And you was going to be super interesting and we're going to get so much out of it. And I hope that um, our audience does as well. It's a little bit different than what we usually talk about, but there's so much stuff that I know that Tam and I, we've talked about offline, which is why I wanted to get you in and, and have a great yeah. conversation. So I super appreciate it. And thank you. Oh, no yeah. worries. Thanks for the interest. <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 